I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and let's dive in. How the devil are you? Mm, I know. It's been a while. But I did say, in my defence, the start of the season wasn't going to be smooth sailing. But guess what? I had two days off and what did I do? I jumped up the road to record a two-shot podcast Edinburgh Festival special. So for the next two weeks, it's going to be Edinburgh. And then we get back to regular broadcasting with a lovely long interview with an incredible actress, but more of that in a couple of weeks. What's going on now, Craig, I hear you say? Well, above me, yep, you can hear the seagulls. But last week, it was a different story. I heard bagpipes. You're going to hear bagpipes. You're also going to hear snippets of interviews from Matt Ford, Simon Brodkin, Rob Orton, Laura Wilde, Kyle Faulkner, Martin Compston, Gordon Smart, Chloe Petz, and also me stomping around Edinburgh trying to catch as much theatre and comedy shows as I could whilst getting my microphone out and having a little sit-down, quiet ten minutes with people. And it all makes up this fabulous two-part Edinburgh Festival special. So, whatever you're doing, let's just stop. Yeah. Now, I'm going to hand over to Craig. See you at the end. Well, it's an early start here for me. I am... I'm walking around Gatwick Airport. It's uh, not even seven o'clock yet, and uh, I uh, I was only here about six hours ago because I had um, a week uh, free, and I thought, well, everybody else is going on a summer break. I think we should. So we came back from Croatia last night. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. I'd never been before. It was an extraordinary week of just reading and swimming and kind of doing nothing and now I've turned myself around and I'm about to board a flight for this episode of the Two Shot Podcast I'm going up to the Edinburgh Festival for a very quick 48 hours now I'll be honest with you I don't really know what's going to happen there's a few things that I can guarantee I can guarantee you a, a lovely chat. It will be lovely. I haven't recorded it yet. But it's with Martin Comston and Mr. Gordon Smart, hosts of the Restless Natives podcast, and obviously a good friend of this podcast. Um, it's on the eve of their first ever live podcast recording from the Edinburgh Festival. And if you've listened to Restless Natives, then you probably know what to expect. Um... I think it's going to be fizzing with energy and, uh, yeah, anarchic. Let's see. So we're definitely going to see those two and we're also going to go and see past TSP guest Rob Orton, who you remember was talking about his new Edinburgh show, which I'm going to go and see tomorrow, uh, called The Rob Orton Show. So I'm going to have a little chat with Rob. And it's Edinburgh, so who knows 
I want to find out how difficult it's been for people. I know there's certain people. Brennan Reese is not going up there this year. I don't think Richard Herring's going up there this year. Um, so has it just become the rich person's playground? Um, I remember hearing somebody a few days ago, they were talking £8,000 a month for accommodation while they're there. What's the point? Um, well, I'm going to f- try and find out what the point is, if it's viable, if it's still working, and how people are feeling in the first week of the Edinburgh Festival. Um, we'll see who we bump into. I've no idea. It's going to be exciting. So I'm just going to... Um, I'm going to go and try and get some breakfast uh, at Gatwick Airport, and then get the flight so the next time I'll speak to you I'll be up the road in Bonnie Scotland and we have landed yes I'm just walking down Princess Street obviously you can hear it let's wait okay hold hold I'm here it's Edinburgh Festival I'm just going off the beaten track um who am I going to see? I'm going to see a play at the Edinburgh International Festival this afternoon called Throne. I'll tell you more about that after I've seen it. And um, I'm just walking up to the Pleasance to see what is going on. But before that, what's been going on with you? Um, this, I say that and I didn't leave you a chance to um, tell me what was going on with you, but it, it's not that kind of show, is it? <laughs> There's no phone calls. Um... This, uh, oh, I'm just uh, walking past uh, uh, lots of posters for comedians, one of them being a past TSP friend, Glenn Wool. Maybe we'll get to see him while we're up here. Um, So this episode, there's going to be a lot of of this, a lot of me talking, um, interjecting between, uh, hopefully nice conversations, little pockets of conversations, if they're only five or ten minutes that'll be great and we'll just see what we can do so um, uh, some recommendations I suppose I don't know if you know I don't really listen to lots of podcasts Uh, there's just too many there's, there's far too many and life is just too busy um, but when I get a recommendation I, I certainly take it on board and I have a listen um, and uh, I don't know why it's taken me so long and you, I'll say this and you'll probably go Craig, oh my god I've been listening to that for so long um, so there's two that I've got into and uh, I'll be honest, I've been a bit jealous, and I'll, I'll tell you why Why I've been jealous. It's not about um, content or anything, sort of, what I do. It's more... Well, when I tell you, you'll probably, you'll probably understand. So one of them is David Earl and Joel Wilkinson on Chatterbix. Um, it's, it's lovely. It's really warm and funny and unpretentious and it's just it's just joy 
absolute joy. I love it when it's those two. I love it when they have the guests. And I just listened to the latest episode flying up here. He's still playing the the bagpipes. There'll be a lot of bagpipes, I think, with this episode, don't you? Um, yeah, they 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 were doing daily episodes for so long. I haven't gone back and listened to everything. I'm not going to um, pretend that I have because I, I don't have the time. Um, they've been gone for years. Uh, they're going down to three episodes a week, which I think is is a lot, considering I uh, find it hard to get one out a week. I think I'm being... Um, I was about to say, I think I'm being followed by a, uh, the bagpipes. I'm not, it's just another one. Just There's loads, they're everywhere. Um, and the other episode, uh, the other series, sorry... Uh, it's the socially distant sports bar. I'm not a sporty fella, as as you would know. You've listened to this for years. You would know. No, I know nothing about sport. Uh, but if you listen to that, it's not really about sport. It's it's about friendship and stories and camaraderie. And I suppose that's what I was uh, was jealous of, was that, you know, David and Joe were together and they hosted together. And then Ellis and Mike and Steph, they, they all have each other. And, yeah, look, I've got the best producer in Producer Griff, but, uh, you know, over the years, we're doing a lot of recordings remotely because of where we live, because of where the guests live. It's just how we have to do it. And it's... uh, Yeah, I felt a bit jealous and a bit lonely that they have uh, the game, they can play the game, they can bounce back and forth from each other, and it's lovely, it's a lovely, lovely listen. Um, So I am walking... um, I'm just past Edinburgh Castle... And I'm going to walk up to the Pleasants and see what I can fit in now before two o'clock and then before the play thrown at four o'clock. And I'll report back. I'll get some company. Sounds like I'm really lonely, doesn't it? I'm not. It's just... uh, It's really lovely hearing other podcasts with... uh, Oh, excuse me. Sorry, thanks. Um, with friends. I, uh, oh, thank you. What, what, just, I'm just recording a podcast, lads. What, no, you can join in. What, what are you promoting? Tell, uh, we're tell in us. a play called Grand, The Grandfathers. We're on every single day, quarter past one, at the Hill Street Theatre. And it's all about what if national conscription still existed in the UK. It's a brilliant play. Uh, we're couldn't be more excited to bring it to the front. You see, well. this is what I'm talking about. You come to Edinburgh, you meet people. It's not a lonely place. It's a great city. Lads, uh, all the best for the play. Thank all right. Cheers, take care. Oh, this is going to be a good episode. I'll see you in a bit. And, of course, it takes about ten minutes walking around Edinburgh, not only to bump into famous people, but to bump into a famous friend. I'm there with my lovely friend, Matt Ford... 
How are you? I'm very good. Hello, Craig. Hello. It's lovely to see well, you in Edinburgh again. Why, why are we saying hello, Craig? Well, hello, because you, you said my name. It felt rude not to say yours. And you gave me such a lovely, wonderful build-up. Well, I try to. You're back yes. again, but why? Why are you back again? You don't need to be back again. I love it. I, I, I love doing it. I, that is why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I think it's the best way to get a, a live show finished and ready. And obviously I'll tour it after this. And I just think Edinburgh is the best place to come and do live comedy. You do it in the same room every night for 25 nights. Night after night after night after night after night. And you, by the end of the festival, obviously I've worked the show before I got here. But by the end it is just like a polished gem. And I don't think you can do that anywhere. Like when you're touring around the country and stuff, you're always in different venues. It's always slightly different. Here, you can do the same venue every night at the same time. And that just takes so many of the other pressures of being a creative or being an actor or a comedian away from you. You're not on trains all day. You're just in this place. This is your sole focus. And I just think like you just deliver results faster. It's just... Also, I'd love it. And I get to see you. Yeah. Um, but I think for improving as a stand-up comedian, for getting a show ready and just really polishing it up, I don't think there's any substitute for doing a month here. But has your focus over the years changed about what Edinburgh is? For me, it was always about writing the best show I possibly could and improving it as much as I could while I was here it's just that's always been the focus so everything else is just like a happy side effect I think it's all about putting on the very best show I can possibly put on so that that focus hasn't changed at all for me obviously the industry's here and punters are here and you want to um, get work for the rest of the year but for me it is about just doing the very best show I can possibly do but Matt, has Edinburgh become a rich person's playground? Because, let's face it, you're in a privileged position, right? You're an established comic. Yes. People know, they know you. Yes. They want to come and see you. You're probably all sold out. Uh, if I was a, start, a stand-up comedian, I was starting out, right? Edinburgh would be the playground that I'd want to come to for yes. a month, right? But... Who can afford, I mean, £8,000, oh, I mean, £5,000 no. a week to stay here? You're not breaking even, you're losing. Yes, so how, how can it be viable? I mean, I really worry about the future of the festival. And I've, I've always been animated about, as you know... Yeah, you have, working, I must admit. How do working-class people get into the arts? Well, something we've and, spoken about you know, in the past, obviously. Streaming has basically killed bands, apart from a few. And now you've got an arts festival in Britain that costs a fortune to come to as a punter, let alone as, a, as an artist or uh -huh. a performer. Yep. How, are work, how is this meant to open up the arts to working-class people as performers or when it costs so much to just stay here, let alone put on a show or anything? I think it's outrageous how expensive it is to come here. And that cost has been creeping up. And I tell you, my personal view is just that when it comes to it, people like renting their flat out for a lot of money. Yeah. And unless you basically change the law, and why would local politicians here clobber the people that elect them rather than the rest of us who come here from elsewhere sadly I can't see that changing unless the market changes and I don't think the market's going to change and I think my fear is this becomes a sort of exclusive and it's always been pretty middle class anyway but I think it's so hard for working class performers it's really it's hard for middle class performers to come here let alone people with no money so I really worry about it I, I, I think it's not that I think the festival will die. I think it would just become well, it, it, too exclusive. It would morph into something different, which yeah. I think it has. Well, I mean, we're, we're standing now in the Pleasant, Pleasant's Courtyard. Yeah. Of course, 
There's people walking around dressed uh, in their togas with flyers <laughs> and everybody's, like, punting their show, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I-, I read on social media last night, uh, uh, you know, someone who was really upset and they had one person at the oh, show. I mean, the thing is, you're always going to get that because it's open access. And yes. it's, it's not an invitational. No. So you can bring a show here and the risk of that, if you're unknown, is you might not get anyone in. And that, I guess, on some level is part of the romance of the festival. I would obviously find that very difficult to deal with. Um, but you must have had it starting off. Well, you start off with lower numbers and you grow yeah. and you grow and you grow. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, of course, when you first start, it's, it's more difficult. And I lost money for years coming here. But I always saw it as an investment in myself. And I always took it as an investment in my career. And I always just thought, over the year, am I improving? Am I getting more work? And I was. Now, I don't think the system is fair, but I was able to justify it to myself on those grounds. And it took me a few years to pay that debt off. Um, But I thought it was worth it. Personally, I did. I thought it was worth taking that investment in myself. I think the industry is here. The whole world comes here to see comedians. It's a phenomenal place to be seen and to develop. Um, So I always thought it was worth it. Um, But I totally understand why some people don't. I mean, especially now, you know. I mean, my God, everything's expensive now. It's... The country's well, fucked. Well, it's like our... Uh, well, I mean, that's the separate podcast. I mean, that's that, my podcast. That is, that is your podcast. We'll get on to it the other day. But I was, um, I was talking to my dad last week, and I was saying, oh, I'm, I had a week off filming, yeah. uh, and we went to Croatia for uh, a week's holiday. Very rare. And I said, but, Dad, it's, you know, it's... Uh, maybe I'm naive. It's not yeah. cheap no. at all. And he said to me, Craig... Nowhere is cheap no. anymore. Though, basically, those days are gone. And, of course, tickets aren't cheap. The festivals aren't cheap. Mm. But the great thing... I'm going to see a show this afternoon at uh, 4 o'clock uh, for the International Festival. Oh, nice. And they gave me an arts workers ticket. OK. Oh, so, you blacked a freebie? No, no, no. You're taking no, I, money off? You're taking I, I, food no, no, no. off the table no. of struggling creatives? <laughs> Actually, quite the opposite. They give... A six pound discount to people who work in the arts. The TV stars who've just jetted in from Croatia <laughs> with some Mediterranean tan. My God! What yeah, I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, an arts workers discount. Yes, should be available for people in the arts. Oh, for performers. Just, yeah. just, just like concessions are available. Uh, is UB40 still a thing? Yeah, yeah. I you don't know? think so, no. uh, you know, but you, Well, they're still talking, you're, but... Yeah. You're, 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 you're <laughs> old enough to know what I mean. Yeah. You know, students, concessions, yes. arts workers. Yes. Those concessions should be, should be there and should. available. But obviously, at the moment, it's the train fare. It's the accommodation. I mean, I think the biggest thing is the accommodation with Edinburgh. I think that is the biggest iniquity, is the sheer cost of the accommodation is prohibitive. I think... With ticket prices, you know, there are free shows, and there are things like that. And yeah, there are. They pay also, what you can you know, Also, I think artists should be paid for the work that they do, mm. uh, just as journalists should be. And, Absolutely. And, and, and I don't think people should have to work for free. Um, but I think it's the accommodation is the biggest thing. The single biggest thing. It costs a fortune to stay here. And it's money that you just can't find. I mean, a tenner for a ticket, 15 quid for a ticket, you can sort of see how you could save up for that. Absolutely. Thousands of pounds... Where on earth are you going to get that from? When you've got, when your mortgage has gone up, if you've got a mortgage, or your rent's gone up, or, or all the other stuff that's gone up, so, I don't know how we expect them to keep coming in. So as a performer, and we're looking, we're looking at the yellow boards of the Pleasants now. We are, yeah. It's chock up block with people every time of the day from ten o'clock down to midnight. Yeah. 
it's not stopping. People are still coming. Oh, yes. The festival will always be, and it will always be very, very popular, and it's got a huge international audience, and there's still a domestic audience that can afford it. But something you and I always talk about, and my primary concern is, the art shouldn't just be for people who can afford huge sums of money to come here. And, and the accommodation is huge. The ticket prices, I think, a lot of the time are fairly competitive. I think so, yeah. But it's, it's, it's the accommodation that is going to make this festival even more elitist, and that's so, a real shame. So what is that, greed? I think it's just people go, well, on some level, yes, it is, but it's just individual landlords obviously going, well, look, you know, it's sat around the dinner table and going, I got five grand for my flat last year, you should try putting it on Airbnb, Trev. Well, you know, um, Stevie, or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a Scottish name. And they go, well, you know, it's an inconvenience, yeah, and people can just incrementally justify it to themselves. I don't think there's a committee that gets together every year and goes, let's fuck people over with sky-high uh, rents or, or prices, I think people just can justify themselves to go, well, I'm going to have to live somewhere else for a month if I rent my flat out, and, you know, things have gone up, so a couple of extra quid, and I just think it has just become part of the culture of leasing and renting here that you just add on a couple of noughts every year, and now we've got to a point where it's ludicrous. And it's an opportunity, and people are taking that opportunity, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and it's a shame. I mean, I, people don't mind you making a couple of quid on it, because it's an inconvenience, or so if you've got something to rent out, fine, you're doing people a favour. But the, the markup on some of these places must be incredible. Yeah. And it's not fair. And uh, it, it just makes it more... <laughs> just makes it more elitist. And that's not what... It, this should be a celebration for everybody. And, <laughs> yeah, it really should. It really should. How that's going to change, I don't know. You have to go for another interview. You know, we'll solve this another time. We will. You're here. Matt Ford is at the Pleasance inside number 10. It's my stand-up show. That's at 8 o'clock every night. And then I'm doing three live recordings of my podcast, The Political Party. And my guests are Hamza Youssef, the First Minister of Scotland, oh. Angela Rayner, the Deputy Leader of the Labour oh. Party, and Kate Forbes, who was almost First Minister of Scotland. Come along. Come if you can along. afford to get the train here, you've got somewhere to stay, come. Absolutely. Go see Matt Ford. I've seen him many times. He's a dear, dear friend. Do it. Love you, man. See, this is the brilliant thing about Edinburgh Festival. I'm in Pleasance Courtyard. I'm bumping into lots of people. You just heard me with the brilliant Matt Ford. Of course, he's a friend. And now I've been accosted by a man in a purple suit with a fantastic bow tie and a man with a wig on. Please tell me who you are. I'm not taking your flyer because I don't have time, but tell me what's going on. Hello, my name's Joe Feeney, and uh, I am playing a sort of demonic Noel Edmonds in a show called Edmonds, which is Dr. Faustus cosmically colliding with Deal or No Deal. And this is my colleague here, Alistair, who is dressed as a demonic Mr. Blobby. Hello. <laughs> He's a very kind Mr. Blobby, but this is the thing. So why? I was talking to Matt before, right? And, and Joe, you mentioned before uh, we started recording that we've met before. Yes. At Mountview, you came and did a little chat for us in Mountview, which is lovely as an alumni. And uh, you gave some amazing advice about keeping working. And then you said, one thing which I really benefited from at Mountview was that we had a mentor scheme. So I had a great mentor. And then someone stuck their hand up and said, Craig, can you be my mentor? And it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I always I'm, regretted it. I'm, I'm mentoring somebody else at Bristol Vic at the moment. No but, way. you know, I, I, we try and do that. A lot yeah. of people uh, of my age, we, do, we see that as something being very, very, very important. But I was talking to Matt yeah, before. Yeah. Um, coming up to the Edinburgh Festival, yes, it's a gamble, but my God, it's an expense. Yeah. So 
we've got established comedians up here. We've got Matt Ford. We've got Frank Skinner. We've got David Baddiel. Uh, we've got all those comedians that you see on those chat shows on the television. What is this costing you? I mean, you don't have to give yeah. figures, but like this is yeah. a real cost. Yeah. How do you go about it? With a lot of difficulty. Like, there's a lot of financial exploitation at Fringe, uh, whether that's like parasitical landlords are like bull- pumping up the prices, or just the cost of like signing up to the Fringe and getting a venue and venue fees and, and paying everyone fairly. I've really, really, really struggled. I don't have personal wealth. I'm a jobbing actor, a writer. I've written this show, performing it, producing it for free, essentially. And anything we earn from ticket sales, we'll split. Um, But it's just going to push working class or lower middle class performers, writers, actors, producers out of the industry. And it's not fair. And it will just have more. It'll just be the, the, the play thing for rich people and the wealthy and wealthy rich people aren't sexy cool like me so <laughs> so we need fewer so there basically needs to be a seismic shift in the way that fringe works because it is the best festival in the world quote unquote it's phenomenal it's brilliant that's why we're here you know i'm not just vlogging myself you know for no reason yeah so um yeah we just need to enable more doors to be opened um i'm actually part of the edinburgh national partnership so what does that mean so I'm being produced by York Theatre Royal and The Pleasance. So um, for the, for this show, yes. So they provided the fees for uh, entrance to the festival and the venue fees, but then the cost of making the show and marketing it and publicising it all came from myself uh, and fundraising I did. But there's only so many times you can ask family and friends to chip in a fiver here and there. Um, that's not sustainable. And most performers at Fringe come away thousands of pounds in debt, and no other line of work would you expect that. Uh, and it's not fair. Someone's making money at Fringe, and it's not the performers. And let's face it, look, we spoke about drama school before. Yeah. Putting yourself through drama school now for three years, I was very lucky. As you know, I was one of the last years that I got a government grant to study. Yeah, yeah. You want to go to drama school nowadays, you do your three years, you come out in debt, yeah. just as you do in university. Yeah, yeah. Are you fearful that you're coming to the fringe and you're going to walk out with a big bag of debt? Absolutely. Um, And it's kind of annoying because I think fringe sort of goes, oh, well, that's just the way it is. If you come into fringe, you will be in debt. You won't be prepared not to make money. And that's just not right. And, you know, I don't know the answers to it. I have been... I've graduated five years ago and I've always wanted to come to Fringe and it's taken five years for me to get onto a scheme to even enable me to get a foot in the door here. But uh, even still, like, the, the possibility of the debt is, is huge. It's difficult as well because when you're at drama school, with that, when you graduate with that debt, you think it's okay because I'll be working as an actor, I'll get that, um, I'll be able to pay the money back. But there's just not enough jobs to go around for everyone. So then you make your own work and you think, oh, well, great, I can be a bit more self-sufficient and, and um, you know, sort of make opportunities for myself. But then if it costs you to then do that, then what's the point? You may as well do a non-acting job and earn money than not do it. But of course, if you're a creative person and you've got art you want to put out there and you want to entertain people and you want to, you've got something, a story bursting out of you, you've got to make it. So that's the catch-22 you're in. Um, but I'd always encourage people to make the work they want to work, write the shows they want to write, perform the shows they want to perform, and... Um, Well, that's it, because there is a stage here for that. Mm -hmm. But we need to talk about getting here. Now, I got here, I just flew in this morning, right? So where I live, near Hove, uh, it's 
six and a half hours on the train or it's an hour and a bit on the flight. There's a one pound price difference in that, okay? So if time is of the essence, you get the flight, okay? But if you're here for the month of August, we need to talk about getting your head down and we talk about accommodation. That is the killer, right? Well, what are you doing about this? Well, I mean, there's no such thing as an ethical landlord, in my opinion. And um, over Fringe, you see some horror stories of people on Airbnb, like, pumping up the cost of rent to the cost of a house, you know, or thousands and thousands of pounds. Yeah. We're staying in university accommodation for a month. And, you know, that is good. Although we looked on the university website and we are paying 25% of the cost of an entire year for a university student. So they know what they're doing and they know they're pumping it up. And it's great. The location's brilliant. The room's really nice. We're sharing a single room between us because we couldn't afford two rooms for performers. We, if we had any more performers or any more um, uh, technicians, we'd have to get more rooms or just all be crammed in. And I think there's a certain amount of like glorifying uh, the struggle of being like, oh, it's all part of fringe. You live in, in poverty and you get no money and you don't eat properly and you can't sleep properly. But that shouldn't be the way it is. We need our artists and performers to have the best setup for them to do the best work. Um, so there does need to be a bigger conversation. This is my first year at Fringe as a performer, so I'm experiencing it for the first time now. And frankly, all the horror stories are true. I know it's depressing to say, because uh, it's so wonderful and joyous and all this art, but um, it just it's unsustainable. It can't go on like this. Well, hopefully it's going to change, and it's the start of the festival, yes. and this is your show. Tell me about your show. <laughs> In a nutshell, yes. So, it's Dr. Faustus cosmically colliding with Deal or No Deal. Our titular performer, Edmonds, makes a deal or no deal with the devil. And every show is different. So there are 22 red boxes, and an audience member plays the game, opening the boxes, which uh, changes the fate of the show every time it's performed. And it sounds like a lot of fun. It's here at the Pleasance. Tell me the venue. Baby Grand at 3.15 until the very end of the festival, the bitter end. Go see it. Thank you, guys. Good luck with the festival. Thank you so much. Less than an hour in Edinburgh, and I'm already meeting some rich and interesting characters. I mean, it's just fantastic. Uh, There's people lining up in the Pleasance Courtyard, waiting to go into shows. But it's... It's still an expensive place to come. So, let's walk out of here. Let's go see some more people, have more conversations. Um, but uh, I think this is uh, turning out to be a pretty good episode so far. I'm having a great time. I'm going to walk down to another venue now. Uh, just the tonic to see if I can go and see and have a chat to Jesse Cave. Um, I've just been having a natter with a few other people. Uh, We have the brother of a sister who has been on Two Shot Podcast a few years ago. Suze Kempner. You know Suze Kempner. She's amazing. She's a social media star. And her brother, Luke Kempner, is... Uh, a hilarious comedian and uh, one that is known to be uh, quite the gritty police drama 
Well, that's a, that's the uh, that's the town of his show. It's called Gritty Police Drama, a one-man musical, and my God, he does all the impressions. No doubt, there'll be one of a few people you may know from some gritty police dramas. More of that when we get it. Let's crack on. This is the Two Shot Podcast at the Edinburgh Festival 2023. Oh yeah, yep, it's me again. So I'm just walking through Edinburgh because I've got to take a break and I've got a meeting. Uh, So I'm walking 20 minutes out of the city centre and on my travels, uh, and this is probably naive of me, but every time I've been to the festival, and I've been a lot, right, over the years, I'm looking at all the posters, all the flyers that I've been handed. I didn't think there were this many shows. My God, there are so many shows. And I'm just talking about the fringe. I'm, I haven't even ventured into the International Festival because that's not what this is about, really. Because, look, you can't cover everything. Um, there are so many shows. I mean, every signpost... Every time, every signpost... I'm walking past one now, right? Every signpost, there are two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. So there are 24 posters. Uh, average. On every signpost. For different shows. And I'm not seeing a lot. I'm not seeing a lot. Uh, I mean, of course you see doubles, right? But, so that post, I'm just walking past a, a signpost now. So there's 12 on one side, 12 on the other. Completely different shows. How are they doing it? How are they affording this? The venue cost. The accommodation, I don't know. We've had two very different discussions so far with a festival veteran. And let's face it, someone who is going to sell out, that's Matt Ford. People come to the festival, which is what I did for so many years. I came with a plan. I came with people I wanted to see, I wanted to support... I'd heard about, I'd seen, and they were there. But what about the people who... uh, They don't just go in for their hour. They're out from 8 o'clock in the morning. They're giving flyers. They're trying to tell people about their show. How do they do it? I don't know. I'm going to try and get to the bottom of it. I'm not going to just speak as... You'll have heard. I'm not going to speak to people who are um, festival veterans. I'm going to speak to hopefully first timers, and I'm, I am going to stop people who hand me uh, flyers on the street. But uh, let's turn our focus away from Edinburgh Festival because let's face it, there's people listening to this podcast who aren't here and can't get to Scotland and uh, I want to tell you about a book that I'm halfway through reading it's a debut novel 
by an Irish author called Colin Walsh. And the novel is called Carla. K-A-L-A. I can't remember a time, um, certainly in the past sort of five or six years, where I've fallen in love with the world and uh, fallen in love with characters the way that Colin Walsh has... Uh, um, I'm going to run over... Sorry, I'm walking across the street. Um, that I've fallen in love with so many characters so quickly, like ten pages in. You'll understand when you read it, if you read it. I really hope you read it. Or maybe someone's... Um, invited you to read this as I'm inviting you go get it um, I am do you know when you read a book you know when you start a book right and you're in you are so invested in you don't want it to end I do not want this book to end at all um, my girlfriend read a much smaller book um, than me on holiday and she just breathed through it but it was it was a much more intense um, work of historical fiction uh, and this I just took my time over because I don't have that luxury um, and I don't want it to end but I just gu- I guarantee you're going to love it you're going to fall in love with these characters so um, sorry I'm just trying not to get run over while I'm walking on the street um, so Carla by Colin Walsh is my, um, well, at the moment, book of the month. It, it could be the book of the year for me. Let's see. If you've got any um, novels, fiction, non-fiction, that you want to recommend, uh, shout them out on social media. You know where we are. Uh, email the uh, two shot pod uh, address and let us know we'll shout those out too especially if they're uh, debut um, novelists I mean my god this is uh, I already know for a fact that this is going to be turned into a television series Um, and uh, I'm uh, excited and terrified in equal measure because let's face it once you've got those images in your mind from the book, it's very, very hard to see them translate onto screen. Trust me, I've been there. OK. Um, right, I'm going to go to this meeting in Edinburgh and then I'm going to get back out into the festival and let's see who we can talk to. I'll see you in a bit. So now I'm back. I'm here at the Traverse Theatre. I'm about to go and see Throne. It's uh, a piece by Nat McCleary. It's directed by Johnny McKnight. Um, and I've no idea what to expect. I've read a few things, but I'll fill you in afterwards. Um, I'm hoping to also go and see Adults uh, with Colneth Hill, directed by Roxana Silbert written by Kieran Hurley. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be possible. Uh, You know, it's a world premiere and I've got limited time. So let's go to the Traverse, let's go and see Throne and we'll talk about it after. 
So I'm making my way out of the Traverse Theatre uh, for my first show. It's called Throne. It's by the National Theatre Scotland. It's on for the 3rd to 27th of August. <sighs> it's fantastic. Um, it was uh, a piece of friendship and discussion. Um, I, I don't want to say too much. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of theatre. If you're here, go. I've got a feeling it will uh, set its place very well in the Royal Court in London. Whether they can catch it or not is another matter. <sighs> I'm just going to take my breath out here because I'm going back in um, to the Traverse tonight to see something else. Um, yeah, Throne. Um, I'm going to put some links up when we uh, when we put this out next week. But uh, yeah, go and go and see it. My God, there are some. I mean, mighty performances. Um, yeah, I might just give this a bit of time, and then I'll come back and talk to you about it. All right. <laughs> so. The great thing about the festival is I walk around, I meet people, I see people, and I just see two absolute stars of the show. I mean, they walk out with chocolates and flowers in front of me, and I'm stopping and I'm going, oh, can I have a quick word? And I can. Can you just tell me who you are, please? I'm F.A. Aguela. And Adiza Shardo. And you are the stars of Throne. Two of the stars of Throne. I mean, what a performance, what a play. Um, how is it feeling to start the festival like this? It feels amazing. It's nice to talk about race here in Scotland. I feel like people shy away from these conversations since 2020 and everything with Black Lives Matter. I feel like we had a year of those kind of conversations and now mm. people have stopped talking about it. And I think it's good to get it back in the conversation. And it should be. You know, I mean, it should be now. And we're not just at a fringe. I mean, of course, we're here, but we're part of the international festival. Yes. We're not part of the fringe yeah. venue. It's a very different space at the Traverse, right? Oh, 100%. And that's why it's more important that stories like this get made more mainstream mm -hmm. because, you know, it may be a mainly white audience, but it starts to help people start these conversations that are needed around these subjects. Do you think there's a lack of these stories being told on the fringe as opposed to the international festival? Both. Both. 100%. <laughs> we just 100%. need more of these stories. Is this something you've been talking about? Yeah, yes. especially in Scotland. We Absolutely. need more. We need more. So you've been, you were sent this script. Yeah. How, how did this start? How did this journey of this place start for you? Um, well, for me, um, Adiza Shardo. <laughs> <laughs> so you know who you're talking to, the Scottish See, the thing is, thing is I've, just, I've literally just come out. Yeah. So I'm like, I can see you. Yeah. And I've hosted podcasts for five years, of course. Yeah. Adisa, please. <laughs> um, yeah, so for me, um, I got the script through in April. So I think I was one of the last to get cast because Natalie, the writer, who's also mixed race and Scottish, was going to be playing the role. But she decided to make more space for another mixed race artist, which I think is amazing, amazing. of her. Um, so she thought it was important that to tell the story that she'd take a back seat and let someone else portray it in a way that they might know. So although we're both in you know, very similar experiences of being black and Scottish, we're both incredibly different, which is so beautiful when I meet someone else like me. I mean, a play about identity 
and also friendship and heartbreak. You know, I mean, we'd go on this really intense journey for like an hour and 15, hour <laughs> yeah. and 20 minutes. With all, we don't know anybody no. when we start. They, there's only certain people that know each other and they come into this gym and we're told when we walk into the theatre, please don't walk on the mats. Please. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, no, no. Don't walk on our mats. No, don't walk on But no, it's a space. It's a yeah. space. It's a sacred space. We're, that's where the sto- our story is going to be told, that we're going to sit and enjoy and we're going to meet these people now. Um, how was it for you when you stepped into the rehearsal space with these new people? <laughs> exactly that. Like, just like the character, Mr. everyone Duncan. else in the cast knew each other because they're all Scottish and they'd worked together. And I was like, hi, I really am from London and I really don't know any of you. <laughs> so it was quite nice, I think, playing a character who actually I got to walk in her shoes I got to go to the Highlands yeah. I got to find out all this stuff about Scotland you know I found out what square sausage was I didn't know that at the oh start I didn't oh know God. that at the start Look, Wait, I just got not tried it have you, you I you did know. I had it at Greg's you've done it with Amy excuse me whoa you had square sausage at Greg's I did I had a you lawn in sausage no you didn't oh, thank you. I will have all my Scottish listeners oh, no. now my friends Every listening Scottish listener will be very I know you need the morning <laughs> roll <laughs> you need the square sausage apart from that my God, you're going to have a fantastic run here at the Travers and I think possibly a London run as well. I can see this play going to the Royal Court. It it will sit very well there. Mm. Um, Congratulations. What a play. Amazing performances. Um, Have a fantastic festival. Thank you. And of course, we're back walking the streets of the Edinburgh Festival and who do I bump into? But my brother-in-arms, Mr. Martin Comston, how's your festival? <laughs> a lot better now you're here. How are you, big man? I'm really good. Now, Martin, yeah. the thing is, you started Restless Natives podcast. You need to calm down your big stride. I've only got oh you like... Oh, my God, I'm trying to... <laughs> OK, let's just explain to the audience. Yeah. They all know I'm tall. Yes. Six foot four. Yes. And a bit. And you are... Five eight. Five it's eight. not that way, aye. It's not, I'm not that way. It's just everybody who's a baddie against you, Morrissey, Owen. These are all six three, six four. Makes me look like a midget. Hey, I'm not involved in casting. Don't be like that with me. Okay, let's she walk. Still my triumph all the more elaborate for the hero. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, golden balls. Let's go. Oh, bike, 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 bike. Uh, we're crossing. The beautiful streets of Edinburgh. Yeah, we're walking along Rose Street. And we're talking about the podcast that is Restless Natives. Yeah. That you started with Gordon Smart, your close, close pal. Yeah. And one of the main aims when you started was... We don't talk about the war. We do talk... (laughs) (laughs) We do, because we talk about the festival. (laughs) The big festival. And now we're in one of the biggest festivals in the world. Yes. And you and Gordon are putting on two live shows in Edinburgh for, what, 800 people? 800 people over two nights. They they offered us... um, they offered us more, but I just, I mean, I was panicking. Gordon was like, Don't be a bigger, they offered us more. No, that's what they said, but I, that's what I'm saying. I was panicking, I was really terrified. I was like, nobody wants to come see this. So I said, Look, let's do it. Yeah, but one you're night. all sold out. 
Yeah, but I said, let's, so I said, I agreed to one night, and then if it went well, take two. And it's so, so, mate, I was genuinely chuffed because like, I've never, I'm a bit annoyed that the first time I've ever been to the, the Edinburgh Festival is with Gordon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've not, like, I've not got a play or something here, but I'm, like, I'm chuffed. You've been on the podcast, you know, it's just an utter carry on, but so I'm, I'm slightly terrified. But I've, I, don't, I don't do live stuff. Look, a live, look, a podcast is one thing. A live podcast, my yeah, what's God, it like? it's something else. And what, like, because what I, my biggest thing, as you know, um, we, we've got a filter. We've got a lovely producer, and we, so we do that, and it, we record it, and then we leave it a week, and we sit and go, right, maybe we've went too far there. Don't get drawn over. Maybe we've went too far there. Cut that out. We kind of do that with my life. You know oh, what I mean? No. If you say what? something stupid, then it's there. Yeah. Which is more than likely with me. I mean, the thing is. You can cut it out in the edit, but those no. 800 people, they're taking it home. Yeah. No, I know. But, I mean, hopefully you've given them a laugh. And everybody knows, like, it's never, it's never malice, is it? It's just I carry on. But I, 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 this is what I keep thinking about. I've been asking people a lot of advice. Should I have a drink? Because I've, I've not had a drink all week, building up to this. Want to just, I wanted to run it right, but I thought, do you get a couple of drinks to sort of just loosen the nerves and all that? But everybody I've talked to don't say don't because... One, you could then get tipsy and you think you're hilarious on stage and nobody else is interested. Or two, you start missing... Cause the show is packed. Like, I like, get on this. When we agreed to do this, right, I said, um, like, let's just keep it simple. Let's just do the podcast live and with a bit of jokes. I've got three costume changes. <laughs> I didn't even know this. They are quite elaborate. They're not... They're not like they're not like a subtle. I mean, full on. I mean, it will be over by the time you're out. I've got. Well, of course, I'm doing Arnett at some point. Um, I'm a I'm a squirrel. Yeah. And I'm a pirate. Hi, how you doing? All right, Biggie, how you doing? Are you James Sweet. Constant? How are you uh, getting on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be Shetland football team is uh, doing for the football. All right, how are you doing, Trips? He's all right. How's it going? Pleasure, man. Last guy trials you. with the mighty Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah. That's how good long, he was. Long, time ago. How are you doing, Trips? Right, all right. You recognise him? How are you, guys? Hi, yeah. guys. All right. How's yeah, it going? Good, best good. of luck. James Constant's boy. So I'll ever be. My dad's boy. Look, if you want my advice, I will say... No. Don't. Don't. Don't even drink. one. No. How no. many you had today? Before this? Before this? <laughs> I'm at their friends. I'm, I'm kind of not working. I've just had two glasses of wine with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, before a live podcast? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, no, no way. No. And I'm Don't not. Do it. And I'm, because I'm excited about it. And, and also, it. you'll be buzzing. Did you have the clock? We've got the clock. We've got a clock at the front of the stage. Yeah, I've got a clock. I had a clock at the back of the stage, so I right. could see it. No one else could yeah. see it. So we've got that, and that's... I mean, Gordon's late all the fucking time anyway, so why's he got a clock? Oh, well, you're both late, in fairness. You're both quite late. Where am I late? You've been late loads on your podcasts. When you've been timing in... Ah, right, fair been, enough. Uh, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a, a yeah, play we're now. We're about to see No Love Songs, which is... My friend Kyle Faulkner's based on his songs from the the band, uh, who his lovely partner Laura Wild wrote. Um, so I'm really excited about this. And you said you saw the director do something at this play, uh, this theatre earlier today. Yeah. So I went. To, we're going back to the Traverse now. 
uh, to see no love songs and I have just seen uh, my first show anyway we'll did you this. and as well Kyle do you remember you you and Kyle had a little incident when you when I lost the love with Kyle and you turned <laughs> up no Mark <laughs> I'm not going to talk about mine and Kyle's altercation what I'm I not, believe you gonna... said is Martin he's got a sword I'm not going to talk <laughs> I'm not going to talk about a samurai sword. And I'm not going to talk about Kyle Fauna. We're all, we're all young. Yeah. We're, we're all uh, excited. Great times. Great times. Great times. Look at Edinburgh Castle, Martin. Beautiful, mate. Like, that's the thing with us. Like, Edinburgh is spectacular. It's like, I've got more, I appreciate it more as I get older. You know, it's... Yeah. Because being a West Coaster, you're kind of taught, you grow up, they're all up their own arse and all that stuff. But they're actually... That's it. Like, Glasgow and... um these kind of great cities Glasgow Liverpool Manchester you know they're, they're very working class and we're, but they're very on you you know what I mean like the the, the parter's really quick to just go and to make you never forget yourself you know what I mean yeah exactly well, but after a while of hearing ah you wee prick don't you forget it. when you come out here everybody's just nice yeah they are you know, nice the, I think but I find that since we've moved to Hove yeah oh my god Northern sensibilities, like people are just nice. Yeah, yeah. They're not like you know. It's like in London, people don't people don't really give a fuck. No, no, no. I, I mean, I I love London as a city because you've got a lot of my pals there and stuff. But you're right, it's, it can be quite an impersonal place. Like if you're out a walk and you say hello to somebody, you know they think you're up to something. Yeah, but you understand why. Like we've always we've always known really. We've always Hi, understood. Yeah. How you doing? All right. Why? Why? Hey! Come on, quick! Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll take it. It's all right. Kelly, Don't worry. Kelly, come here. Kelly, come here. <laughs> Perfect. Nice one. Thank you so much. Good, you know, there you go. Thank you. Hi, yeah. How you doing? You all right? Honestly, walking through the streets of Edinburgh with Martin Compson is like walking. Um, uh, through LA with Johnny Depp, I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we've always understood why Vicky mm-hmm. McClure, for listeners, yeah, has always just got nuts is my place, Nottingham is my place. Yes, yeah. yeah. And she's always been like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, always, oh well, yeah. she tried it. Do you remember when yeah. she tried to live in London? Yeah, she, went, nah, she couldn't have me. it, yeah. No. Her and Johnny lived for a yeah. time and went, no, nah, it's not for us. Yeah. I think they still have a place there, you know. They're, they're, they're of that period now. Our Vic <laughs> is ruling prime time telly. It makes my heart sing that a, a woman who can't be on set without a hot water bottle is the prime time action star of British telly. Yeah. It really does warm my heart. Much yeah. like a hot water bottle warms her. Every oh, fucking scene oh. she's in in the middle of summer. But also, you think about 10 or 15 years ago, no no woman would be a bomb disposal nah. action star yeah. of a, an ITV drama. Yeah. And I, I love... The one thing I love about Vicky is she's probably the most instinctive actor I've ever worked with. Because I know she's got no clue what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> she just does it all in her eyes and all her head. And then yeah, I, and we believe it. Yeah, you believe it 100%. You're yeah. like, oh, my God, that's the most amazing thing. Like, yeah, how did you do that? She's like, I don't know, what did that mean? I don't know how she does it. It's just an absolute gift. Yeah, she's fucking brilliant. All right, shall we get there? We're, um... Right, we're heading to the Traverse now. We're going to get some food. 
watch another show. Yes. And then maybe we'll talk later. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Okay. Yes, we can laugh about it now. We're back at the Edinburgh Festival. I'm with Martin Comston. Hi, Paul. I'm with Cal Faulkner. How's it going, man? I am with Laura... Wild. Laura Wild, And we are here because of Laura Wild. Because we're all having a drink and we're about to see... No love songs. No love songs. Tell me, Laura, how did this production come about? Um, well, it's all based off of Kyle's last solo album, No Love Songs for Laura. And it was all about a time of our lives, really, just what we're going through and like postnatal depression. And I thought, you know what, it's not really been done in that sense before in like a musical way, like bringing that topic to light. So we all got our heads together and got in touch with Johnny McKnight and Andrew Panton from the Dungeon Rep. And yeah, that's how it all came together, really. How tough was it? Uh, to lay the cards on the table? Because obviously this is obviously a personal thing between uh, certainly you and Kyle. Yeah. So you can talk about it as, and you are a couple, right? Yeah. yeah. But to lay it out at the Traverse is a different thing. Yeah, I think I do this thing where I don't really realise until it's actually happening. There's an audience, there's people there like tonight and I'm just... Yeah, I'm really excited, but I, I, I love sharing stuff. I'm quite an open person anyway, and I, I think it was going to help people. I've already had a lot of messages from people saying it's opening up conversations for them and stuff like that. So, that it, yeah, it feels good, and, it, yeah, it's positive, isn't it? Which can only be a good thing. Yeah. Kyle, how was it for you to... to sort of... Oh, sorry. Can the last time you saw each other? <laughs> uh, Martin, do you want to reference uh, what, what I told you there? The last time you saw each other when I lived with Kyle. Yes. And you, uh, you and you came down to London and you yeah. said, mate, can I crash at yours tonight? And I said, of course you can. I will be here. Here's my key. And then you called me a couple of hours later and said, Martin, he's got a sword. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> We're friends now. We can we can we can put the sword aside, can't we? Yeah, it's a completely sword aside. So when you write when you write a song, it's one thing, but when a song is interpreted on stage at a place like this, at the part of the International Festival, at the Traverse, it, it becomes somewhere else. So how do you? release your song and go well it's not mine anymore it's somebody else's it's interpreted another way how do you release that well when when I was writing this album uh, I'd, I do this thing every time I write an album or I'm writing music or something I was kind of writing all of those when I put it on the, on the car when I've got a collective amount of songs Laura will go holy shit this is like this is about like our life and I'm going nah and she goes listen and, and I don't, don't really realise what I'm writing because it kind of just comes rolls off the tongue and then she was like oh no love songs for Laura again so it was all like she, I want, she kind of categorised it and went oh they've not wrote a love song for me again so when that all happened it, it turned into a play and now watching them it's like I never knew what I was writing about the time but now it's seeing this happen I feel like it's cosmic and it's actually come from another place so the songs become something else through the actors and through the singers yeah. is that what you're saying? I mean yeah because there's some of the songs like you're just writing them you know, it's, you know what you're saying is righteous and it's class and it comes from some place but sometimes you just let it be but when you actually see them singing it I mean there's some I'm going holy shit that's class <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. and how we're, we're all going to go in in a few minutes how are you feeling going into what is basically the press night of the Traverse here in Edinburgh? 
Was it, man? We were here yesterday at the opening night and it was class. It's a bit, I mean, we've seen it a few times, but this is the night um, the director's like freaking his bean. He's like, he's, he's like, oh, don't, don't mention the press. So if, um, it's like one of, one of the New York films, you know, like, those reviews are in. It's like, uh, he's telling you, fucking six out of five, come on. Let's go. And the first part of the Edinburgh Festival special is done. We leave that Friday night alone. Next week, we're going to wake up on the Saturday morning in Edinburgh and let's see who we can speak to. Until then, you take care. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week in Edinburgh. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been... The Two Shot Podcast. It's good to be back. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers. Cheers.